since brevity is the soul of wit. More of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward. An infinite and endless liar. An hourly promise breaker. The owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertained. I'd beat thee, but I should infect my hand. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. The course of true love never did run smooth. Hi, Maiden. I'm Lindsay. And this is the Bix Pod. And we are here to discuss uh, the final play in the Bard's catalog. Catalog. catalog the ca- ca- catalogery of Shakespeare. Yes. Um, <laughs> the Tempest. I was trying to think of a, a nautical, a nautically themed uh, intro. I was going to be like, ahoy hoy. But I don't think anybody ever says that. So, uh, well, you could have. And I, um, I would have gone with it, Lindsay. So, ahoy hoy. This is our episode on the Tempest. Yes, we've uh, been. We, I'm. I. I'm kind of sad. It's our last play episode. Yeah, we talked about this as we were watching the play. Yeah. We're like, this is the last one we're ever going to watch. Not of Not all like time, ever, but, but like, like for the know, podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we can always just listen to the episodes again if we want to relive it. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Probably not. Who listens to their own podcast? I don't. I do occasionally. Sometimes, sometimes. it comes up on like <laughs> like Spotify when I'm like, I plug in my phone and I'm yeah. like, why? It just plays a random thing. And, and, it's, and it's our podcast? Yeah, because I listened wow. to our podcast once on Spotify. Yeah, to check and then it, it, whatever, yeah. it like thinks that I like it. I'm not a fan of this podcast. Yeah. Who is a fan of this? All of you listening, yeah. we are so grateful to you. <laughs> we question your sanity a little bit, but uh, for the most part, we but you've stuck you. with us. It's episode seventy-two. Yeah, seventy-two episodes. We're going to make it to seventy-three with the yeah. the um, next week's episode, next episode, yeah, Fortnite's episode. Yes. Not about Fortnite, but about the authorship <laughs> question. We're jumping way ahead. It's the end of a long week. It's been a long week, and we are here recording at the end of it. So yes. uh, we apologize for any uh, inconsistencies. Faux pas, yeah. pas. I don't know I, how you yeah. how you pluralize. Faux is already that. plural, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. The X is that. Okay, is let's plural. move on. Yeah, let's continue here. So the Tempest. <laughs> um, it is generally considered. Shakespeare's final play. Yes. Uh, at least his solo ones. We did mention the Apocrypha uh, last episode uh, where we talked about Henry VIII, which was, of course, produced after uh, The Tempest. But mm-hmm. Tempest is generally thought to be written in 1610, 1611. It, ha- it was on the record as being performed in front of the king, I think in 1613, actually. Okay. Um, I just looked that up quickly. Uh, and yeah, and it's it's really considered his his swan song, his final solo creation where he kind of hands off the baton to the the coming playwrights. Right. Um, and there's a lot of that in the play. There's a lot of uh, subtextual. Prospero, yeah. like, break my staff. Yes. Is this you know? world but a stage kind yes, of thing? I yes, mean, there's, yes. there's a lot of that kind of language, um, which we'll get into later. Um, and it was published in the folio, of course. Uh, and it was actually the first play featured in the folio. So, Lindsay, today you took our copy. Yes. Against my will. No. Yeah, you did you, ask eventually. Yes. You did you ask eventually. you packed it for me this yeah. morning. Morning. I did. You put I it guess, in the bag. I guess it was said, with my Bring role. this to your students. We're Show. learning about the Renaissance, yeah. and we were we the were Gutenberg. talking about Gutenberg and the printing press. So I brought our facsimile of the Norton facsimile of the first folio to show them an example 
a yes. living example of of how it would have looked. Yeah, and movable presses, type, yeah. and they were all like, "Oh, it's so big." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Like, is this original? I'm like, "I wish." <laughs> They're so innocent. It's so, so sweet. sweet. When, I, when I bring an actual copy of the first folio <laughs> to my eighth grade social studies class. You wouldn't let anybody touch those. No. No, you wouldn't even touch them. I might. You might. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was published in the folio. Uh, it is the first play. And it's, yep. yeah, it's kind of a, it's an, it's a very popular play. Uh, long production history, uh, you know, pretty much in continuous production. Um, it was, there was a, a brief period after his death, of course, when a lot of his plays were performed, but it was picked up again in like, I think 1689 was the next reference to it. Oh, so, okay. you know, one of those plays that just people engage with. It's, it's very easy to read. It's very short. Um, yes. I think there's like two scene or two acts where there's only a single scene in the scene are not even that long it's a uh, very easy to read very fun to watch i'd say it's uh, low stakes kind yeah, of yeah it is and fairly entertaining yeah and you've talked a lot around the play i notice it's your turn you to do that, the you? yeah okay. to do the uh plot synopsis so okay let's let's just give Aiden a little bit of time here to think it over i i got a timer so whenever you're ready all right Lindsay. wait a minute give me a second here I'm going to give you 30. Okay. You need more than that. <laughs> you always do. All right. I think I can get through the first act. Okay. I Ready, <laughs> set, go. Uh, Prospero uh, and his daughter Miranda are on, on an island. Uh, he used to be the Duke of Milan. Uh, he was kicked out by his brother and exiled to this island. Uh, he's taken over a, a slave by the name of Caliban, who's a native to the island. Um, and then there's he uses the power of magic to crash a ship that brings his brother, the King of Naples, who also helped uh, maroon him on the island, uh, and a bunch of other people. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> uh, his daughter marries the son of the king, and everything is set right at the end. Wow, I didn't think you were going to get to do this. I got it. You did. Uh, I didn't think you were going to get to it. I'm like, he's got 10 seconds left, and we've only just talked about Caliban. Uh, Impressive. Well, I just wanted to get the major characters out there. (laughs) Really, that was my goal. And really, that that is uh, a good goal for you to have, because... uh, (laughs) You know, you. I don't always do that. No, you frequently forget everybody's name, yeah, including I was, mine. <laughs> I paused there for three seconds at the beginning. Yeah, to I find saw Bob that. You this saw is that. why I was worried. So you pulled it out. I mean, it, it's not a very complex play. It's it's no, set into I mean, motion. The, the hilarity in Suze does yes, cover most of the plot. It really like, does. There's really not much there beyond these characters just kind of walk around and there's like three subplots all going on at once but it's it's neat the way that i was reading the folger modern perspectives essay which i mm-hmm. believe was written by barbara Mowat, who's yep. the general editor i think yeah, of editor, the whole yep. series um really great essay and uh she was talking about how it's the theatricality of the um the plot it's it leans heavily on like uh, theatrical elements, right? Like uh, masks and um, fantastical visions and mm-hmm. things like that, right? So that's what that's where a lot of the play happens is when you have like the uh, <clears throat> the harpy who comes in and um, messes with Alonso and yeah, Sebastian yeah, and, and Antonio, Antonio yeah. and everybody, right? Um, or any of the scenes really with Ariel or Caliban, which yeah. are just like hugely, they're spectacles, right? Mm-hmm. So that, I think, it's never, the, the st- like I said, the stakes are never very high no. because all of the danger that's presented is like fake 
it's like yeah, to it's, an extent, it's right? magical. Yeah. And that I think helps to uh it, it it's where the theatricality lies, but it helps to keep the audience and the reader super engaged with what's going on. Yeah. Without it being like Hamlet level stakes or yeah. Romeo and Juliet level yeah. stakes. It's yeah. like it's it's it is. It's, it's a it's, fun play. It's a it's a cozy play. Let's put it that way. It's yeah. like a cozy mystery. You know, yeah. it's like this low stakes kind of uh, engagement between these different characters who are all set up in a very particular way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of all, uh, but they're all kind of masterminded. Prospero is like this literally godlike character in the sense yeah. that he can control the seas and all sorts of, he has all sorts of magical powers. Right. And he has Ariel, his uh, sprite, which is the one character I did forget to mention. Yeah. Um, you know, doing his, his bidding at all times. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, yeah, it's everything's kind of like... Prospero's in control the entire mm-hmm. game. It's not like even in Midsummer Night's Dream when, uh, you know, for a while there, uh, Oberon, Oberon is kind of lost control and yeah. Puck has gone off and messed up people the wrong way. This one, Prospero doesn't screw anything up. Everything's yeah, the only, going exactly the only time fine. where he seems to let his guard down is during that mask when um, he's like, wait, hold everything. Wait yeah, they're coming to they're kill me They're going to kill right me. Now. Like, we got to... Like, halt the brakes or pull the brakes. What's the phrase? Pump the brakes. Yeah, sure. Whatever. The brakes are being used. The brakes are being used um, in order to pull things back. So it's it's just funny that uh, he, yeah, you're right. He is entirely in control. Mm -hmm. And um, it's... Yeah, just low stakes. Just very, very low stakes. Very low stakes. For a play about, like, disinheriting people and, like, exiling them in the... You know, setting them to sea in a in a butt of yeah. like yeah. you know the rotten out rotted out uh, husk of a ship husk yeah. of a yeah like yeah yeah, yeah no it is it, I mean and yeah there's some dark elements there but they're sure. they're brought to light in a very uh, light way I would say yeah um, so in terms of the source there's no single source for yeah. uh, this play it is kind of a, a a mashup of of different kind of source origins mm-hmm. there's kind of three general headings I kind of put everything together under though um there's kind of like the shipwrecked wanderers uh kind of thing like an odysseus or uh jason and the argonauts kind of like you know they have to fight the herpy harpy the herpes no no the harpies well uh, the, 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 the they might get herpes yeah the sirens yeah exactly yeah you never know so i mean like there's the whole there's that kind of uh story going mm-hmm. on and it borrows a lot of from the greek and the italian uh, archetype of that yeah then there's kind of like the magician and his daughter uh the family drama the, yeah almost, yeah right? which is like another kind of typical uh setting and, and use of drama in the in shakespeare's time with the notable difference that the magician in this case it, it, or the father um can just will his daughter to sleep when he doesn't yeah. want to talk to her anymore so i mean that would make most family dramas a lot easier a lot easier to deal mm-hmm. with if you need yeah. to be like you know what i don't you're like tired. your sass you're tired yeah. now a little force wave and away she goes <laughs> uh, and then finally there's there was this huge explosion of um kind of colonial explorer novels and uh, treaties and memoirs of, yeah, and all sorts of literature being produced about the exploration of of the quote-unquote new world. Yeah, Virginia Um, had just been settled, I believe. Jamestown was, I think, three or four years before this. Yeah, Sir Walter Raleigh has has gone to the new world Mm -hmm. and back, and, and we're starting to see tobacco and other plantations set up in the new world. And the Spanish had been conquering the Central and South America for, you know, decades at this yeah, point right so yeah so i mean it was it was already kind of an established thing and there was a lot of um general understanding 
not understanding. There was a, there was a general air. <laughs> the, the knowledge was there. To an extent. To an extent. There knowledge was land of, out there. Yes, yes. And um, there were people out there. There were people out there. So, I mean, that's referenced in this play. There's a couple of references to Indians or Indies. Um, yeah. And Caliban certainly seems to stand in as this. He's variously portrayed throughout the years as like half fish, half man, which is kind of how he's referenced in the play, but um, usually portrayed by an African-American or somebody who's not of the ethnic majority of the rest of the cast in any case. Um, So there's definitely some racial elements to that character. Yeah, and we'll get back to that because I I want to talk a lot about the the colonial history and and how it kind of interacts with Caliban Mm -hmm. here. Um, And just as a heads up, we did watch the uh, 2010 slash 11 Julie Taymor uh, production. I didn't know it was a Julie Taymor production until we we started watching it. And I was, and I was like, like oh. dang, I really like Julie Taymor. Uh, a big fan of her work. Um, so I highly recommend this one. And it's interesting because Helen Mirren is um, cast as Prospera or Prospera in this version. Yeah. And she just, she knocks it out of the park. It's yeah. so perfect. There's so many interesting things that are brought up when Prospera was a woman yeah. that uh, make the play... Um, like the mother-daughter relationship is a lot different than the father-daughter relationship, well, so it, it colors it differently. Has has there been a mother-daughter relationship in Shakespeare? Juliet and her mother, and that's okay. not really a good one. Juliet and her nurse, Ophelia and Gertrude. Wow, but, but they not weren't. like they weren't mother and daughter. No, like, I know Juliet yeah. and her mother are really the only true. Yeah, like birth mother and daughter yeah. i think because i agree watching it i mean obviously the play and we'll talk about that right away but you know a lot of people do read it as shakespeare and his connection to yeah. his, his only living children which were both daughters yeah um you know and that's that's an understandable interpretation mm-hmm. uh but i loved seeing it as prospera uh, mm-hmm. because it was such a there's, there's a certain different energy a little different the the sense of protection uh that prospero and prospera both you know want to yeah. cast over miranda is very uh it's it's it hits a little different let's just put it that way yeah when it's when it's a woman yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure villain i have done thy mother so aiden you've divvied up the play into a number of themes and topics as we are so wont to do on this podcast mm-hmm. um would you like to kick it off sure uh we'll start off with the one that i just mentioned yeah. uh the whole idea of this being uh about shakespeare and about the theater mm-hmm. um there are many references there's the most telling one yes uh where prospero kind of says i'm giving up my staff yeah. and, and moving on and and i'm gonna Put down my books and and continue on to the the good life when he returns as Duke of Milan. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's 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 a whole bunch of ways you can read that uh, as being about Shakespeare. Handing Very in easy his, to read it autobiographically. Yeah, absolutely, right? and it's it's one of those ones that I think. Again, for as a student, this is one of the plays you can kind of teach high school students. Yeah. And again, because the plot's very simple and everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's an easy one to also explain that subtext and mm-hmm. to say like, yes, this is uh, likely a bit of a, a parting gift from Shakespeare. Yeah, especially the, the line about, uh, well, um, the, yeah, breaking the staff, drowning my books. It feels like, obviously it fits with Prospero as, you know, um, his magical books and his wand, his staff. But uh, the idea that I, I, I thought of this as if we were watching it. I'm not the first person to come up with this, I'm sure. But like, wasn't there a, a reference to Shakespeare's last name being 
like uh, mm. shake staff or something yeah, like yeah, staff yeah, yeah. and spear yeah. being, you Interchangeable know, bit, yeah. um, and I'm sure that would be seized on by uh, anti-Stratfordians Absolute who like to price, say that yeah. this is he's shaking off the staff. He's getting rid of his pen name or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But it does. <laughs> it does. You know, it like I said, it's very easy to read this as like an autobiographical nod to him knowing he's leaving the London theater scene to go back home into retirement um and it's it's kind of a romantic notion yeah and i guess that's why like it if you look at the play that way um the the tempest as you've written here it 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 does adhere to the three unities probably better than any other shakespearean play yeah it all takes place in like two hours yeah it's like one afternoon right um but it also features a lot of those uh, those neat little tricks that Shakespeare likes to do that we've talked about already, um, like a play within a play or mm-hmm. having a, a, the scene with the harpies again where Prospero is kind of watching what's happening. Yes. So much, the yeah. people who are on stage, center stage being affected, don't realize that they're part of a play. Yeah. And Prospero is commenting on it. Yeah. And um, again, Barbara Mowat talks about how it's uh, it folds... I think her her what she said was something about folding in the plot of the play into uh, into itself almost, and mm-hmm. then unfolding it back at the end to and and combining past, present, and future and everything. So even though it does adhere to the unities, it does it plays with them a lot. Yeah, yeah and like yeah. the the longest scenes in the play are scenes that are talking about the past, the past, yeah. which is something again very. Uh, not not the best theatrically because it's hard to portray that. Yeah. But you've got these big long-winded speeches that are all in the past tense, and it's like, okay, this is Shakespeare um, calling back his own past, writing about like looking backwards always to tell these stories of Sycorax and and Caliban, yeah. and then Ariel uh, Prospero and, uh, and Randa, yeah. Ariel and Sycorax, yeah. and and all of that that is taking place you know 20 some years ago yeah and yeah there's a there's a neat theatricality to it that i think um makes it very romantic and nice to think that this is shakespeare kind of wrapping up his own career right and it it leads into the next one i was going to talk about which is uh the magic and the supernatural elements of here because uh it's easily the most positive representation of magic in Shakespeare. You uh, mean the Weird Sisters are not positive? They, they have some drawbacks, Lindsay. <laughs> Unlike uh, Prospero's magic, which is seamless and harms nobody except for the people who probably deserve to be harmed. Is <laughs> yeah, maybe died like, in the shipwreck? Well, no, nobody died no, in I the shipwreck. I know nobody, but yeah, they, yeah. he didn't know that that was going to happen. Yeah, he did. He asked Ariel to make sure everybody I was guess. okay. But, but the point is, um, you know, it's, it's not a black magic. It's not a yeah. black art. This is... In a lot of ways, obviously, very clearly a stand-in for the magic of the theater yeah, and the yeah, pen, you know? Like, yeah. uh, there's there's one point where I think it's uh, Antonio, um, or maybe it was Alonzo, says, like, uh, oh, he's plac- he's practicing black magic, mm-hmm. sir, and or mm-hmm. maybe it was Sebastian, actually. Um, and Prosper just says no. Like, right. it's just a one-line, like, yeah. no, that's not what that's this not is. That's not what this is. You're misunderstanding um, it. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's, that's kind of... Um, indicative of how Shakespeare views it. He also, it's also uh, the first time where there's no um, higher 
power that's called upon to do the magical acts. Right, it's like, Prospero doing it's it. It's Prospero, and he's yeah. done it through learning. He's literally just, yeah. he's fallen in love with his books, yeah. right? And and that's what's given him the like power. He's, uh, it's it's Alonso, no, Alonso is the one who gives him the books. No, when, Gonzalo. Gonzalo, Gonzalo yeah, yeah. that's right, Gonzalo. So, like, that's his favorite person because Gonzalo gave him access to knowledge. Yeah. And it's like, that is such a renaissance thing mm-hmm. to, like, um, it's not... It's not, yeah, it's not God, it's not the church, it's not a higher power, it's books, it's yeah. learning. I'm yeah. like, damn, yeah. Like, well, and, you know, and, and it, I mean, it only gets so aroused, Shakespeare. <laughs> but it is, it's, 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 you know, you can become a writer, you can mm-hmm. become this thing that creates magic yeah. uh, through learning alone. And yeah. that's, that's a very nice kind of story to tell. And it fits so nicely with the, you know, the poor Glover's son mm-hmm. from Stratford. Who got his start at that little school that could right. and then learned a he little just... Latin and less Greek. And here he is. <laughs> and he's he's writing this great uh, play to say goodbye. Yeah. I, I just love it. It's I, very, I, it's very it's, nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. Uh, the next theme is, it's more of a theme on this one. Uh, the whole idea and connections between mm-hmm. servitude, uh, rulership, um, slavery, and Ownership. master, and yeah. all these things are, are very connected. Um, and it's it's a very common theme that's remarked upon by many characters in the play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the character of Calvin, and we'll come back to Calvin separately later on, mm-hmm. um, is really kind of a, a key component to this because he is kind of... He's the one character who's kind of handed back and forth between the other characters yeah. as, you know, the slave of the island. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's uh, yeah, it reveals a lot about what that ownership slash mastery, maybe not slavery might be a little hard of a word. He's the servant yeah. of the island. Yeah. He does all the, the housework for them. He cleans all their gutters and uh, gets their firewood and what mm-hmm. have you. Um, and... The, the the play just constantly remarks on on different ways of interpreting uh, Caliban's role and what what is a good rulership and what does that look like. And f- contrasted with Caliban is Ariel. I think that mm-hmm. that's something that um, is really clearly delineated, at least in the the Tamor version, because Caliban is this dark yeah. figure, and then Ariel is like. A white puff of white and, smoke, right? Basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so not only are they visually opposites, their relationship to Prospero is also contrasted. Yeah. Ariel, even though Ariel is serving Prospero and and is bound to Prospero because Prospero freed him from the wasn't an oak tree. It was a tree, though. A right? tree, yeah. Sycorax <clears throat> yeah. had yeah pinned him up enslaved in a tree, yeah. him in a tree. Yeah. Um, so. Even though he is beholden to Prospero, the same way that Caliban kind of is, the relationship is much different. It's much mm-hmm. more um, uh, like an assistant to a boss as opposed yes. to a slave to their master. Yeah, a little right. Bit, yeah. So you There's get a bit these, more respect there. Yeah, yeah. and and it, I, I think it's because Ariel has his own their own magic yeah. that they can do. Yeah. Um so Prospero kind of has to respect that a little bit. Yeah. I, I I think maybe. Whereas Caliban is just a man. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah okay, the son of Sycorax who you know is a kind of a major character who yeah, never, never appears, appears. He's been dead for 12, yeah. 13 years or yeah. whatever. Um but w- possibly Sigrax is like a witch figure yeah, or it was, something? Yeah, like and a, it seemed like a magical she was, figure? 
Yeah, maybe some sort of, yeah, a witch or something like yeah. the female equivalent of Prospero, maybe. Right. Or maybe some sort of, like, demigod type yeah. figure who kind of just gave birth to... But Caliban definitely is not yeah, a magical yeah. figure, no. right? So that's another way that Ariel and... and so anyway, Absolutely. yeah, there's, there's just the difference in those very obvious um, servant roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and definitely the way that Prospero treats them both you know granting ariel their freedom at the end of the play mm-hmm. versus um accepting caliban sort of yeah like i don't know i it, you know not punishing caliban i guess in the end yeah. of the play yeah it's like <laughs> yeah it's in keeping with it it's like there's different gradients of, of servitude and different yeah levels of respect and treatment that yes. each of those receive. Yeah, Ariel gets his freedom. Caliban doesn't get killed. Yeah. Doesn't get, you know, punished really but badly. But it's like that we're grateful for for that. You yeah, know? yeah. Caliban is grateful for Yeah, it. yeah. Because it's it's a low bar, I guess, when you're dealing with Prospero. But but there does seem to be a little bit of um like when you talk about good rulership, I don't think Prospero is a um a tyrant. No. There are certainly well, moments where Prospero doesn't, like, isn't a nice person yeah. to Caliban, and you feel bad for Caliban. Well, and even to Ariel, like, Ariel's like, and are yeah. you going to grant me my freedom? And he's yeah. like, ah, don't you remember? I saved you. You owe me everything. Yeah. Like, he's not a very, yeah, he's just not a nice person. Yeah. Um, But is he a bad ruler for that? It's, it's the, the play kind of leaves it open. I think the thing that complicates... Uh, Prospero's relationship to owning this little island, which, by yeah. the way, is supposed to be in the Mediterranean because they were just leaving Tunisia yes. to go to Italy again. So this is this is Malta, I guess. I don't know. Like, <laughs> nobody found Malta until now. But it's, you know, like, uh, he, his rulership of this island is kind of parallel to his rulership of Milan. Sure. In which he lost that rulership because yeah. he basically didn't do it. He didn't do the job. He basically just gave it all to his brother. Right. Who then said, so well, he can practice the-, the magic. Yeah. And he, then, just, yeah he just yeah, wanted to focus on his magic and I guess his daughter. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, his brother was like, okay, well, if I'm doing all the work, I'm going to be the Duke. Yeah. And then he took over the dukedom and, yeah. and kicked uh, Prospero out. So there is a bit of a history there of, yes. and this is what the play does so well, is it casts this historical background yes. contrast and then, yeah, contrasts it well, to the brings it forward perfect. and and exactly, then makes yeah. it have weight in the present moment, right? That um, the the sins of the past can't just be they're not just in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they have consequences and and Prospero learns from that and brings it forward and then eventually is restored to his throne, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, sorry, Lynn. Uh, the the other thing that uh, kind of contrasts that again mm-hmm. is. The way Caliban uh, treats Stefano right. and Trinculo, uh, because they're his king, or Stefano, I think is at yeah. least is his king as soon yeah, as he comes. Yeah, Caliban chooses that, which I thought was really yes. interesting. That that Caliban is a servant to Prospero. Prospero is his nominal overlord. Uh, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But as soon as he meets Stefano and Trinculo, he's like, oh, you are, you are you mine. Are I'm following better. you. Like, he yeah. has that ability to make that choice. And it seems yeah. like even at the end when he comes back to Prospero, he's like, he realizes he made a bad choice. And yeah. it's like, there's this understanding even from Prospero's side that, like, you did have a choice in this. So, like, is he really 
a servant in the way like that's why you're right the word slave doesn't really fit yeah um and has all kinds of racial connotations but um it doesn't really fit with with him because he does get to make that choice to mm-hmm. follow stefano and um, and realize it's Trinculo. a bad one yeah yeah and yeah. to be like oh i was led astray yeah yeah these guys are yeah like but it, but at the same time it does just reinforce you know that there will be servants and there will be masters um which is mm-hmm. contrasted again there's a lot again this play is just full of like all these characters talking about the same thing yeah in six different ways yeah um there's gonzalo who has a very brief but uh kind of interesting description of what he'd do if he was king if he'd land right. on this island and he had people uh it would just be a perfect utopia everybody mm-hmm. would work together and there'd be no issues what blah 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 um and the other characters antonio and sebastian especially make fun of him um constantly yeah yeah so there's there's that kind of like idealism about mm-hmm. uh, about servitude and, and masters and there not being a need for any right and then you have the exact opposite end uh you have antonio uh his instincts were to take over power from from Prospero. Yeah. And he inflicts that same kind of realpolitik Machiavellian uh, idea onto Sebastian to say, well, you should kill your brother too so you can take over Naples just yeah. like I did. Yeah. And this, so there's like this whole gamut of, of people talking about how uh, rulership should work, yet the only example we get in the play is Prospero right? Um, actually ruling and having whole dominion over his his island and his his daughter? He rules yeah. over his daughter. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. We hadn't well, talked about Miranda. Yeah, yet, we'll so. talk about her soon too. Uh, <clears throat> and then uh, Caliban and Ariel. So he has mm-hmm. these these three uh, servants, people below him, um, and he treats them very differently. And I don't know. I feel like the play is like this is how you should people who are clearly inferior to you, like Caliban, you should treat them. Harsh if they don't do what you want them but to. But fairly, it's Harsh it's, but fair. it's considered yeah. fair because they are below you yes. stations. So. And then you have maybe your equal who's hit a rough patch, but you know you just you treat him okay with Ariel. Yeah, and then yeah. you have your woman. <laughs> well, and and then Ferdinand as well. So for a brief yes. time, Ferdinand does take over the role of like Caliban's role and is fetching wood and and whatnot, which is kind of Prospero just testing the his future son-in-law, mm-hmm. I guess. Right? Like, is he? you know, worthy of my daughter and yeah. and also to keep them from having sex too soon. Yes. There's that whole thing about, you yeah. know, premarital sex. Yeah. But um yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely interesting and, and with the um with the connotation of um exploration and the new world and the hindsight that we have looking back on um colonization and colonialism mm-hmm. and things like that it i think the tempest has gotten a reputation in some circles for being the colonial play mm-hmm. right because it talks about this this yeah. kind of thing yeah. and you can definitely read it as um a tyrannical rulership and i think the first time i read it it that's how it was framed to me like prospero was a tyrant yeah and mellows because Miranda's kind touch and yeah. like all of that. That's what I remember. So so this this time reading through it, and it, maybe it helps because I was watching the yeah. know, Helen Mirren yeah. as Prospera instead. Like so that image is now indelibly marked <laughs> yeah. on my mind. Um, it's kind of a, a softer, more um, nuanced 
I have a more nuanced appreciation yeah, for it. I, I don't I, know. Do you feel the same? No. And that's, oh. that's the interesting thing is that I was going in there thinking like, okay, they're going to play because it's a woman, literally just mm-hmm. because it's a woman. It's probably sexist on my part. But I was like, they're going to play her a little softer. She's going to be not, not oh, yeah, as hard no, as a yeah. tyrant. Um, and then she's still there, you know, berating Ariel and threatening. No, uh, she's Caliban. definitely not, not a soft character. No. She's ex- like Helen Mirren plays her. Just like any other prospect, yeah. really. And that, that, but with the, the, the dynamics are really in, cause they didn't change much of the text in the play. They did mm-hmm. change a few things like about how, uh, she was driven out of Milan because the, she was worried she was going to be caught as a witch mm-hmm. and, and burned alive for that. Um, stuff like that. But for the most part, they didn't change much of the text. So a lot of it is like literally us as an audience projecting, oh, it's a woman. It's a little different. Maybe. And it really didn't feel like it. And that, that was kind of interesting. No, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely a case where, uh, we, we watched a couple of, quote-unquote gender-bent versions of the plays. Yeah, Julius Um, Caesar and what have we talked about that. But this one feels... um, It's... Yeah, you expect it to be a little bit different, but it ends up not being different, and I think that's a strength. Yeah. Um, But no, I I meant about the colonialism, like the colonial aspect of it, and and servitude and mastery and that kind of thing. Do you have that sense that that yeah that didn't change anything for me either just like yeah absolutely and i have a whole section here in caliban where we're going to talk all okay all right but yeah i i think for the prospera one it didn't change that either which i thought was more interesting because uh it being such a recent production 2010 Mm -hmm. um it treated caliban very very simplistically to an extent as um it humanized him but it also uh stuck to literally what's on the page of him being a savage and kind of they'd like disfigured him and yeah. made him all sorts of of things and uh he's howling and angry and rambunctious this whole time and, mm-hmm. and he's really kind of portrayed as this unsullied character so mm-hmm. I, I thought uh in terms of like rulership the play the that film version didn't play with it as much as i would have thought mm-hmm. basically um uh, which is kind of nice because it's true to the to the text and it, it, it allows you to have that uh, view in. But um, no, it didn't change much for me. Yeah, it's just interesting because like, I, may, I don't know, do you have that same recollection of, of reading the play years ago, 20 years ago, and being kind of conditioned to expect this to be the colonial play? Like, is that something I'm making up? No, I mean, it's it's definitely, no, it's definitely something that comes up every time you talk about it now. But yeah. um, I think more than anything, when I was younger, it was the whole, like, this is Shakespeare's swan song. And yeah, okay. It's him up there on stage as Prospero kind of thing. Like, that was See, kind of See, that, and that's funny because I, that, that's a new revelation. Oh, really? Me. Yeah, okay. like, I never... Probably in the last, like, since we've known each other, since hmm. well, you know, it's been forever. That's, I know, but I mean, it's not like I I walked into this, you know, the first time I read it in university and like knew it was Shakespeare's final play and that this was him hmm. potentially. Okay, the connotation in my head was always this was the colonial play. That's just interesting to me. Okay. Yeah, different. We'll talk about colonialism in a bit when we get to Caliban, though. Yeah. So sorry to jump ahead on Anya there. That's fine. You bank all these notes, these beautiful notes, and I just you know. Throw caution to the wind. Trample all over him. Yeah. That's fine. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in our philosophy. 
So before we get to Caliban, uh, I did want to talk a little bit about more about the family dynamics. And we, yeah. I didn't put in much about Miranda here, but we'll definitely have to talk about her. Um, and how that connects back to that idea of uh, compressed time in the play yeah. and how this was in the the, the Folger essay. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about the past and yeah. a lot of worries about the future, especially yeah. from Prospero, yeah. um, but also from uh who's the king Alonzo of of Naples Naples. you know he's worried about his son having gone he's also worried about his daughter who he just married off right before this the play the events of the play happen um and he's he's worried about the future of his kingdom yeah um and what's going to happen with it uh and the play just concerns itself very much with with the past the future and it's all happening in the present yeah Yeah. exactly yeah Yeah. and it's really cool that way um so there there's not a lot of actual uh family interactions in this play uh nothing that happens on stage except well, for that one scene which one where prospero and miranda are talking about yes how they came to the that, island that's, that's, that's the that, scene that, that's, okay good yeah. Excellent. there's literally just the prospero and miranda are the only two yeah. characters who are related who have a discussion in this play at all uh yeah, even sebastian and alonzo really don't say much of anything to or each other beyond and alonzo you mean is it no 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 uh sebastian's gonna murder oh. alonzo like he's he's thinking of that um but, but ferdinand he, and alonzo have a little moment at the end at the very end like yeah okay sure. i'll give you to yeah yeah okay. you, you the, can marry her but yeah yeah, yeah it's this a is up. this is a real discussion yeah yeah and about it's real things yeah yeah and it's uh it's it's interesting that that's the only one in this play mm-hmm. that's obsessed with all this family uh drama drama just a <laughs> lot of family drama going on um and it, yeah, again, the play kind of hits you from multiple angles to talk about this. There's the um, the usurpations of power that that we've kind of already discussed. Like Antonio took it from Prospero. Uh, Caliban was supposed to get it from Sycorax. He was supposed to be the king of this yeah. island. Uh, and then Prospero took it from Sycorax. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Stefano kind of takes it from Prospero for a while when he takes yeah. Caliban yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, and then there's... Uh, Ferdinand uh, arriving and he's going to usurp power from his father because he thinks his father's dead and he's yeah. worried about what burden this is going to take. Yeah. Um, and then there's there's kind of like underneath it all, and this is what makes it interesting, is that there's Miranda's going to take Inherit, over power yeah. Yeah, from Prospero. Yeah. Um, so there's this, this sense that inheritance and change in power and change in power structures and who it's holds it. It's an inevitability. It, it's yeah. coming, but... Uh, the play is very concerned with that handoff and mm-hmm. with uh, what has to be done right in order to make it a just handoff. Right. Um, and it's it's interesting that, again, it gives all these different counterexamples of all the wrong ways. Yeah. And the good way is through marriage uh, with a man and a woman uh, going off to make babies, but not too soon, not until yeah, yeah, yeah. the marriage night is fulfilled. Um, you know, and that's, it's kind of a very conventional and uh, wholesome, I guess, kind of examination of how family and power all should be run is right it's a return to the traditional tropes right and we talked about at the start of our podcast we're like here's what the family dynamics and everyone viewed the world back then yeah and even the moments when miranda does seem to step out of line gently Mm -hmm. you know in choosing ferdinand even though ferdinand is prospero's choice too um, he kind of punishes her a little bit, like mm-hmm. like in a in a, a 
dramatic irony sort of way where we maybe as the audience can see that Prosser actually likes this matchup. Yeah. Like he just wants to play around a yeah, little bit with got, them and make them work them. for it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so like, again, very low stakes. This is not Romeo and Juliet, right? Where, you know, families are going to be torn asunder by yeah. this coupling. Um, but you're led to believe that for a little bit, which plays into the whole, like Miranda being a good, uh, servile daughter yeah um shouldn't have done shouldn't have stepped out of line and and made advances to ferdinand in the beginning but uh but it's forgivable like it's like, totally that, yeah and that's that's <clears throat> the interesting thing because mm-hmm. there is there is a bit more leeway like none of these characters are really even at all punished for their misdeeds like even uh antonio's forgiven by prospero at the end he's right. just like yeah i forgive you for all your bad things i'm taking back my dukedom but yeah, yeah. you're okay you know like yeah it's it's a bit more permissive than than something earlier on that was obsessed with power, like any of the history plays where, you know, yeah. you can't you can't hand off power without the nation falling into chaos, or yeah, you can't have Hamlet, you know, failing to kill his father, his father uncle, uh, <laughs> and you know, setting the kingdom right, or like, like or like the violence of Titus Andronicus or yes, something, exactly, right? where, where it's yeah. like it's very much black and white, yes, or in this case blood red yeah um <laughs> more often yeah 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 uh, yeah, so, yeah it's it's you're right it is very forgiving mm-hmm. i think that's a good way to to put it and and it's just it's interesting that that's kind of like the the angle that shakespeare takes on his final play here is like conventional yes but not not rigid you know there there's yeah. there's a bit of flex in yeah. the moral compass of these characters um and Shakespeare's kind of allowing it. He's like, yeah, you know what? Kids are going to be kids. They're going to fall in love with each other at first sight. Yeah. I know what happened when I wrote Romeo and Juliet. You know, like these It are- happened to me when I was, <laughs> yeah. when I met Anne Hathaway. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's a nice, and it feels very kind of contemporary to an yeah. extent in the sense of like, um, I've, we, I said this about when we watched Little Women, the 2019 yep. version, you know, that movie and the the story that it's based on could not happen in britain because britain at the same time period yeah was so uh victorian and rigid in class their, conscious and yeah and just very very uh non-american there's there's something very american about this kind of approach yeah this you're right this feels like an american play doesn't yes, it yes it does it does it totally <laughs> does isn't yeah. that weird yeah as well, soon as you said that i'm like that's that's what it is and it's the permissiveness it's the openness it's the but, but um, still within the strict within, confines yeah, of conservative you need, you values know, ferdinand yeah. is the son of a king and Miranda's the daughter of a king so they're they're they they, they can do it do whatever yeah yeah they that's allowed yeah. right um, but, so but they within make out that, first. yeah, yeah, yeah okay, and and know? we can we'll forgive and forget. Yeah. Like it's fine, yeah. right? Everything is. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna wreck your ship, but no one's gonna die, yeah, yeah. right? And then we'll put everybody back on a ship and send you home again at mm-hmm. the end of the two hours that we've, we've taken up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hung out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the other the other thing you alluded to is the the unification, the mm-hmm. the three unities, right? And um, time, place, and the third one. The third one. Uh, wow. <laughs> Again, long week. <laughs> um, so yeah, the fact that this play is so condensed and takes place in such a brief window of time on such a um, limited area. It's one island. There's yeah. nothing else. Yeah. You know, um, it's almost like the family stories... Past, present, yes. and future, 
are like put in a pressure cooker. Yes. And it kind of... all playing out at once. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got, yeah, all of these past traumas and past indignities, usurpations and, um, and all of that are foisted onto the present moment mm-hmm. um, in various ways, in various configurations. And the anxieties about the future are causing people to act in certain ways in the present to react to things that happened 20 years ago. Yeah. It's very, it's com- complicated, but in a, it's not complicated in the way that Midsummer Night's Dream is complicated, yeah, right? Yeah. The stories interact in a very fluid, natural way. Yeah. Um, while still being theatrical and dramatic. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and it's it's odd how easily he did that. And I think a lot yeah. of it's just like he's created this Sycorax character is is so important. It's the only other woman in the play. Yeah. Um she's not seen, but she's like she's so anti- powerful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like the anti-Miranda in the sense that she was evil and she had power and she was you know (laughs) probably a feminist you know like like these are the the things that the legacy that she's left behind and it's the source of conflict between caliban and prospero and ariel and prospero and to an extent even i guess miranda and caliban like there Mm -hmm. there are all these there's all these things set in motion by this one character yeah who's just mentioned constantly yeah she's been dead she never she has never no lines we and never see her and yet it's it's there and it's it acts as another conduit for this family yeah worries and yeah. The, these these concerns that are stretching across generations so i it's wonderful it's it's, it's just so really well cool. done and yeah. it's it is it does feel american i think that's yeah. that's the, that's the thing i'm really amazed with here is like yeah it's Louisa May Alcott versus uh, what's her name? Uh, any well, Jane Austen, I guess. You know, any One of these. Of the yeah, exactly. Like any that. of these kind of uh, Victorian or you know late eighteenth century kind of writers, yeah. just dealing with a very different set of social circumstances. Yeah, um, and it, telling telling the same stories, but in yeah, you know very, the context of the the culture. The sides, and yeah, the, in, yeah, yeah. And here we have Shakespeare writing one set on Malta. And it's it's not but an it, English play. It doesn't feel no, like no. It, it feels know? like it feels like a it's a it's a colonial play in a different way. I guess right. That's well, let's let's just breeze yeah, into right. that now. All right. Let's let's have our discussion about Caliban. So, um, he he really is a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. He's entirely a product of a very unique time period in which Shakespeare is writing this yeah. play. It's the early very early uh, English colonial ventures. Yeah. You know, Jamestown's literally just there. It's named after the king of the time. Yeah. Um, and I think it it had just, they just sent the second ship and gotten word back that, you know, they'd survived and you right. know, barely or something like that. I don't know. I don't know my history of Jamestown you're very not, well. You're not up on your colonial American history? No, not really at all. <laughs> um, and so he's this, he's given this backstory about uh, being the child of Sycorax. Um, and it's interesting where Sycorax comes from. Uh, because she is mentioned as being from uh, Algiers, I think, which yes. is you know, modern-day Algeria, yeah. maybe Tunisia kind of area. Um, and so therefore, y- you get the sense that she's uh, uh, of African, North African, uh, maybe even Moorish. Like, she might have been considered a more similar to uh, Othello. Right. Ex- to or a- Aaron or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're this kind of, like, connected to the Mediterranean world. Right. Um, I mean, for the longest time... I mean, Tunisia was Carthage, you know, that was, that was part of Rome. It was a key part of the whole Mediterranean structure. Um, And so they're not really that 
different and dis- distance from, uh, you know, the medieval modern european yeah and and of the time even you know like there were still trade links and all sorts of things it's not like these were like others who you'd never seen before it's like oh yeah that's that's aaron the moor yeah like yeah everybody's every town's got a moor just like you know you're talking like shakespeare and the audience would not have seen these characters as yes they other them a little bit but not to the extent that and they do but it's not but then there's Caliban. Yeah. And Caliban is taken to this whole other level. He it's is a grotesque extreme almost, it, right? Well, it's, in some ways. It's it's a combination. So he's not just despite him having a mother who's probably just North African, mm-hmm. um, he's really portrayed as kind of like the new world, quote yeah. unquote quote unquote savage. You know, yeah. he's really dressed up in this way to be uh, a figure from the colonial Expression, which was a mystery at the time, like they yeah. really didn't have any understanding of the the First Nations peoples that they were interacting no. with. There was yeah, you read the stories that yeah. they read. There's like oh yeah, people with their heads in their chest and they have yeah. one eye. Yeah, and it's just like what the fuck were these? Like these people were just literally making shit up, and because yeah. nobody else had been there, they could no, get away yeah, with it. Yeah, exactly. nobody called their, called their bullshit, right? So there's there were all these crazy yeah. stories floating around, um, and a lot of them are mistranslations and stuff from yes. like Spanish and Portuguese. Yeah. and stuff like that so, so like it's it's almost like those maps that you would see in the like yes. like the middle ages where they'd be like yeah there's monsters out in the yeah. ocean like we don't we have no idea no so sure idea. definitely there's monsters well, out even, there even you look at the pictures of elizabeth with her hand on the globe yeah. and it looks at north america and it's just it's not north america no of <laughs> it's, it's not. like it looks like and california is like half of the thing like there's just this whole thing where yeah everything was just wrong they just yeah, got well, everything they, they wrong. just didn't know yet and that's the they thing like like the this startling ignorance of, of Europeans during the colonial period and and then the the arrogance of the colonialism that followed um, that we're grappling with the fallout of, you know, 500, 600 years later. Um, this is all brand new. This is like, yeah. this is contemporary history. Yeah. Shakespeare doesn't, didn't live in a time. He didn't know what was really in the new world, mm-hmm. quote unquote, right? Um, so yeah, he's making it up as he goes along. Yeah. And, and, and he's, and he's a, he's really like Caliban is a, is a pastiche of all these things put together. Exactly. And, and yes. I, I like how I wrote it here. He's a, a sort of proto-colonial zeitgeist figure. Yep. He's, he, Caliban could only exist at this point in time because of this uncertainty about yeah. what, what's over in the new world and, and who are these people and how do we interact with them? He's like and, E.T. Like the way that the eighties <laughs> interpreted yeah. an alien, yeah. right? A Martian, Marvin the Martian. Like this is, that's the frontier that that we deal with. Yeah. It would be the, the equivalent, right? Yeah. Because this was, you didn't know what they looked like. You didn't know um, what their culture was like. You yeah. didn't know what their language was like. You didn't know anything about them. So we're just going to, and it's easier to be afraid of that. It's, it's, it's a self-preservation thing. If you don't know something, immediately assume that it's going to kill you. Yeah. It's just that that happened to well become a very racist well and, and that's thing that's later that's, on. that's the thing that makes Caliban and this whole thing as the colonial play interesting yeah. is that what does he do he enslaves him <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. that was his default Prospero finds someone who yeah. he doesn't understand who he's like your mom was bad so I'm just gonna you're, you're now my servant and yeah and has no concern for the fact that he was 
he was to inherit this island. Yes. This was his Completely, island. Yes, he literally usurped Prospero it lands there by pure chance and is like, this is my island. Yeah. I am the Duke of Milan, bitch, and this is this is my show. Yeah. And yeah, in a, in that way, yeah, okay, the, the t- colonial tyrant Prospero does make absolute sense. Well, yeah, and I, I don't think the play views him as the tyrant, but he views no. him as a colonizer. I don't. I don't think you can. I view him that. as a tyrant. In yeah, that, that that was me editorializing. Sure, no, I, I get it. But uh, but yeah, I think the play is very much like. Well, yeah, of course. What would, what else would you do when you land on a place where the people don't dress the way you do? You know, or and, and you're a Eurocentric, you know, <laughs> duke. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. You're yeah. used to having people yes. serve you. You are going to make them serve you, whether or not they should. And the interesting thing is that Caliban, you don't get the sense that he put up much of a fight. Well, I mean, he was probably a child. That's you know? the thing, like, right? Yeah. Like, he didn't have the knowledge or the ability to stand up for himself. And even though, yes, like we said earlier, he does get to make the choice to follow um, Stefano, yeah. Stefano instead of Prospero. Um, it's not an informed choice. It's not like he yeah. has any real agency. No. It's like a false front of well, agency, And even the, sort of. the reason he follows him is because he has he offers him alcohol for yeah. the first time in his yeah. life. And he's he gets like, him drunk. oh my God, this is the best thing ever. It's Fort Whoop Up all over again. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like yeah. this is, this is, uh, it's funny that it's, it's proto-colonial, but it fall, it hits all the right story beats that we've seen time and time again throughout colonial history. Yeah. Whether it's well, that's why it works the so First well Nations the, or yeah. uh, in the West Indies or in Mexico India or, or India yeah. or Australia, New Zealand, yeah. Hawaii, it's yeah. the same beats. Pro- process, yeah. yeah. And that's that's what, again, it makes it, it makes his character so interesting to look yeah. at and, and kind of examine that. So... And be, just having all those factors made rolled in, mm-hmm. um, there's just a lot of latitude in how you read Caliban, um, especially uh, how you present him in in a given production. Like yeah. there's a there's a <clears throat> wide range. You can make mm-hmm. him, you know, for lack of a better phrase, like the noble savage kind of thing, where yes. he's stoic and he he withstands. Uh, Prospero's, you know, threats and beatings yeah. and everything with like this like stoic, stoicism. stoicism and stuff. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, the, similar the, to how they did it in the 2010 version where, you know, he's he's kind of a, a madman and, and mm-hmm. a little uh, angry yeah. and upset, yeah. understandably, but also maybe uh, he's... He's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. Jimon Hounsu, I think, plays him, yes, right? I'm hoping yes. I'm pronouncing the name right. Um, and the scene where he, he talks about peopling the island with Caliban's yeah, like yeah. uh yeah you're gonna rape Miranda yeah. it's terrifying yeah. the way that he he's presents looking that. like he's gonna do it yeah. yeah like and and not there's no like regret or anything yeah presented it's yeah. just it's just like it's savagery yeah not in that way but it's 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 but, a pretty terrifying you know yeah and and so there, there's there's a lot of room in that in that production and yeah. interpretation, and then there's the the character on the page himself, which is also kind of uh, complex to an extent because you do feel for him like he was supposed yeah. to be master of this island. Like it's not like Shakespeare says, "Well, yeah, that's not true." No, it's absolutely it's literally true. true. It's yeah. accepted as a fact. Like you were even the person Prospero like kind of admits agrees it. to it right yeah, yeah so there's there's room for him to be played sympathetically and yeah. read sympathetically and there's room for him to be portrayed antagonistically mm-hmm. like as the villain of the play which if if not caliban there is no other villain prospero is probably the closest villain he's the yeah. the antagonist to 
every other everybody character, <laughs> even Who while have, being the yeah. protagonist. Yeah, I don't know. Because like everybody else is wronged. Everybody else is bad in some way. Um, yeah. Except for maybe Miranda. I guess Miranda and Alonzo. Ferdinand like those those ones really aren't and Gonzalo, Gonzalo. but like yeah but uh Antonio and Sebastian totally Caliban totally Stefano and yeah maybe not but again him and Ariel have that kind of like equals yeah you know kind of feel to them um but, but yeah, it's yeah. it's true like like Caliban has frequently been cast as the the you know yeah, the, the villain visible, the antagonist yeah, yeah. um and that's that's uh I think that's an older trend yeah modern productions i don't think can get away with that well it's as just, easily it it's just it starts casting a shadow over the rest of the work yeah. if you do it that way right yeah. like because then then the play is about uh slavery yeah and, it's, well it's yeah. about colonialism but in like kind of like a yeah well he had to do it because look how savage yeah, he yeah is, you know exactly. like it, it really doesn't leave it's open not that the tone you want to strike no i don't think so and yeah. and i think that's what makes it um such an interesting play and an interesting character in this play is that you can how you read caliban is yeah. basically how you're reading uh shakespeare's interpretation of this proto-colonial era yeah uh and it's it's uh it reveals a lot about I think the the viewer, but also about the production and, you know, how much leeway and change uh, that can lead to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I longer stay, we shall begin our ancient bickerings. So this episode's ancient bickerings, uh, we really agreed on most everything. Uh, and there's not a lot beyond Caliban uh, to really, you know, excite someone about this play. It's a very, like we said, a low stakes play. Yeah. Uh, everybody's happy at the end kind of sucks that way anyways but <laughs> but it is still an enjoyable play yeah. and it's a it's a good one to read and, and understand so the question is Lindsay, uh you're on malta nobody else exists on this island uh and you have five plays that you can bring with you does this one make your top five i think it does at this yeah. point but if you would have asked me last a year week? ago <laughs> maybe last week yeah. uh it wouldn't have even charted Really? Yeah, I uh, I think in our conversation today, after watching the film and uh, spending some time thinking about it, this play has risen dramatically. Really? In the ranks. Yeah, and I don't know how to explain that or, or to what I can ascribe that difference yeah. in in position. But it's it was never one of my favorite plays and now it's 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 up there. Oh, yeah, and and I think it's just maybe it's because it's just the magic of Julie Taymor and her production <laughs> just made me really love it. Um, it is a it is a fun production, but I think sure. and and I'm always I'm a visual learner, Aiden. I love That's to see true. the film version of the play, and then that becomes the definitive version. Um, so I don't know. I I I do think it's it's one of Shakespeare's best plays. It's certainly one of my favorite plays. Yeah, I will disagree with you. Really? I, I are you doing that just because, or are you like, is no, this, is I, this how you do things? Like, where you're just like, I'm going to take the opposite viewpoint, Lindsay, as you do with so many things in our marriage. Literally called ancient bickerings. What did you expect? So <laughs> the point is, while I agree with mo- most of what you said, yeah. um, it is it is a de-escalation of the things that were making Shakespeare more interesting to me as we got later on into his works, which is that. He doesn't care for the nice 
tidy wrap up. Right. You know, Winter's Tale, uh, Cymbeline, Pericles. These ones don't have nice, cozy endings uh, where everybody's happy. Eh, maybe a little bit. Um, but you know, there, there's there's some conflict and some uh, a lingering irresolution. I agree. This one's fun yeah. to watch and fun to read. Fun to read and. It does have, it's still interesting the way he created the play and mm-hmm. the way he structured everything and made it work and made it dynamic despite all being set in two hours, you know, yeah. on this island. Uh, it it doesn't have the, it, it, it's not something I would return to again and again. Really? Yeah. As, as a, it, it'd be like a, it'd be like a comfort show. Like it's the way I watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine when I'm just <laughs> okay. like, I want something to just have in the background. Put on the Simpsons season yeah, four. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like something like that. Sure. It's great. I can enjoy it for, for entertainment's sake. Yeah. But if I'm stuck on an island, uh, there's ones that I would prefer on that front. Like Much Ado would be my, my like top yeah. one, maybe Midsummer Night, maybe up there as like just pure entertainment plays. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd want something with a bit more meat for the rest of them. So I don't think it crashes top five. Top ten, definitely. It's up there. But, uh, yeah. It's in yeah. the top 38, he says. No fucking shit. <laughs> Here we are. It's 72 maybe episodes. It's, yeah, maybe yeah, I think so. Maybe it's just too triggering for you. If you were stuck in a desert island, you're not going to want to read The Tempest. <laughs> that's true. Maybe well, that's... it might be like, oh, maybe someone, some magical creature will come and but save me. But maybe you're Caliban. Yeah, exactly. That's right? a good point, like, right? You yeah. never, Someone's yeah. going to come in and, you know, turn me into a, a servant. Yeah. I wouldn't do good in the heat. I'm a ginger. <laughs> you would not. I burn you easily. So hope for a, a, I don't know, Orkney Island. Yeah, okay, yeah. Desert Island. <laughs> That's even You're worse. stuck in the Orkneys. That was the one thing that bothered me about the Tamar production. It was It did very look dark. a little windswept. Yeah, it, it was not <laughs> like the tropical. Like, this is Newfoundland. It's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not Malta. No, it's, it's not. Yeah, not in the Mediterranean. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say goodnight till it be morrow. So, Lindsay, our next final episode what is it tell us again the authorship question the authorship question we've the put one, it off yeah the one we've been we've been gearing up for i've been writing this episode for two and a half years um <sighs> i have definite opinions we both do but it will be interesting i i am going into this one with an open mind no you're not i absolutely am and i'll tell you why okay um because i'm uh uh academically honest I have no real skin in this game it's, at all. That's true. And I am, as much as I am wedded currently to the idea of the man from Stratford, Shakespeare, being the writer of these plays, the romance of that, and the the uh, pull-you-up-by-your-own-bootstraps... <laughs> of that story. His dad was the mayor, okay? He's he's in the 1% yeah, of Stratford, fine, all right? but then he got, uh, you know, in trouble for wool dealings and was kicked off <laughs> the city council. Enough. And mm. As wedded as I am to that idea, I, if presented with enough convincing evidence to the contrary, divorce would be on the cards. That's all I'm saying. From me? No, from the idea. Oh, okay. You you miss my metaphors. <laughs> my metaphors go like right over top of your head. They just Most sail of what clear. you say goes right over my head, Lindsay, because I'm not as smart as you. I'm sorry. That's not true at all. <laughs> it is absolutely We're true. We're not going to have this discussion on, <laughs> on camera, In camera, on a hot mic. <laughs> um, this is not our Gordon Brown hot mic situation. <laughs> I like that reference. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, Lindsay. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I... I 
I disagree. I think we will not be. I don't think there's. <laughs> Here's the ancient bickering that you were all waiting for. We'll, we'll talk about it next yeah. well, next episode. But uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting to have my viewpoint changed. No, but I'm, I'm open to it. And all the evidence I've ever heard, sneak peek of next episode, all the evidence I've ever heard has always been a stretch. It's just, you know, they're reaching. They're reaching for it. Okay, now I, I know absolutely what my goal will be for next episode. You're going to convince me? I'm going to try. I'm going to I'm gonna pull an Aiden, and I'm going to take the opposite viewpoint and try my, my damnedest. <laughs> that is not what I do. It absolutely is what oh you do. Oh, my God. Even after 19 years of being together, you still think I just take arbitrarily? Yes, yes, because you've done it. And you've been like, I don't really believe that. I'm just saying I've that. I've never done that. You have? Oh, my God, you have. If you, you have evidence have. on this podcast, if you can go back and listen to our podcast... <laughs> No, not on the podcast. It's always been like when we're cooking dinner or when we're talking about an article we read on Twitter or whatever. That's bull. It's not. It's not. It's not. Gaslighting me. This is awful. (laughs) I hate this. Thank you for joining us, audience. Uh, We hope you enjoyed our final play episode. Yeah. Uh, It's been a great blast to go through these 38 plays and the poems and all the other. The sonnets. The sonnets, everything. And all the little interspersed topical plays or Mm -hmm. topical episodes we did. Yeah. I mean, we're not done yet. But the the, the plays, this has been a good play stand. I've enjoyed... The Tempest was a fun one. and uh, Yeah, our goal was to read all the plays. That's why we did this. Yeah. Now we've done that. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. It's very good. We've never hit any of our goals. Uh, well, we did all the Twin Peaks and everything else. Yeah, we yeah, no, no. I, but I mean like in, podcast, in but yeah. okay, on the podcast. But that's because we have somebody <laughs> holding us to account. Your mom is listening. So <laughs> we, have to, we have to do this. That's true. She'd be um, mad if we stopped. But yeah, like none of the other goals we've set for ourselves. No, I've never worked out. No, so. but, but this one's good. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. Good we, for us. We did well. So. High five. High five. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast fix. If you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at the Bixpod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebixpod, or by email at thebixpod at gmail.com. That's our cue to exit.